A reading, a long reading. A long reading from the Book of Lamentations, excerpts from chapter one and chapter two. A reading so long you will surely not hear all of it. And so I invite you to just experience it. Stay in your body, notice what you notice. Jerusalem has sinned so much that it has become a joke. Everyone who used to honor it now despises it. They've seen it naked. Jerusalem groans and turns away. Jerusalem's own filth covers its clothes. It gave no thought to its future. Its downfall was shocking. No one offers it comfort. Healing one of old, look at my suffering. The enemy has definitely triumphed. The enemies laid their hands on all of the city's treasures. Jerusalem has seen the nations enter the holy place. The very same people you forbade from entering your congregation, all the people are groaning as they beg for bread. They trade their treasures for food to keep themselves alive. Ark of safety, look and take notice. I am most certainly despised. Doesn't this affect all of you who pass by? Look around. Is there any suffering like the suffering inflicted on me? Like the grief that the author of life caused on me on the day of fierce anger? From above, God sent fire into my bones, trampled them. God spread a net for my feet and forced me backward. I was left devastated, constantly sick. My steps are being watched. By God's hand, they are tripped up. God's yoke is on my neck, who makes my strength fail. My mother has handed me over to people I can't resist. My father has despised my mighty warriors, has called a feast for me in order to crush my young men. My source of life has trampled the people of Judah in a wine press. Because of all these things, I'm crying. My eyes, my own eyes pour water because a comforter who might encourage me is nowhere near. My children are destroyed because the enemy was so strong. Zion spreads out its hands. No one offers it comfort. The warrior protectrix has given this order about Jacob. His own neighbors will become his opponents. Jerusalem has become a filthy thing among them. My creator is right because I disobeyed God's word. Listen, all you people, look at my suffering. My young people have gone away as prisoners. I called to my lovers, but they deceived me. 
My priests and my elders have perished in the city while they were looking for food to survive. Pay attention, saving God, for I am in trouble. My stomach is churning, my heart is pounding inside me because I am so bitter. In the streets, the sword kills. In the house, it's like death. People heard that I was groaning, that I had no comforter. All my enemies heard about my distress. They are thrilled that you have done this. Bring the day you have announced so they will be like me. Let all their evil come before you. Then injure them like you've injured me because of all of my wrong acts. My groans are many. My heart is sick. The respected leaders of Zion's people sit silently on the ground. They throw dust on their heads. They put on mourning clothes. Jerusalem's young women bow their heads all the way to the ground. My eyes are worn out from weeping. My stomach is churning. My insides are poured on the ground because the daughter of my people is shattered because children and babies are fainting in the city streets. They say to their mothers, where are grain and wine? While fainting like the wounded in the streets while their lives are draining away at their own mother's breasts. What examples can I give you? What parallel can I show you, people of Jerusalem? What comparison can I offer that will comfort you, beloved people of Zion? Your hurt is as vast as the sea. Who can heal you? Your prophets gave you worthless and empty visions. They didn't expose your guilt in order to make things better again. Instead, they showed you worthless and incorrect prophecies. All who pass by on the road clap their hands about you. They whistle, shaking their heads at daughter Jerusalem. Could this be the city called perfect beauty, the joy of all the earth? <laughs> All your enemies gawk at you. They hiss and grit their teeth. They say, we've swallowed it up. Yes, this is the day we've been waiting for. At last, we have seen it. The commander of heaven's vanguard did what was planned and accomplished the word. That which had been commanded long ago. God ripped down, showing no compassion, making the enemy rejoice over you, your adversary's horn was raised up. The hearts of Jerusalem's people cried out to the creator of all, the wall of Zion's people. Let your tears run down like a flood all day and night. Don't relax at all. Don't rest your eyes a moment. Get up and cry out at nighttime every hour on the hour. Pour out your heart like water in the presence of the womb of life. Lift your hands up to God for the life of your children, the ones who are fainting from hunger on every street corner. Fount of justice, look and see to whom you have done this. Should women eat their own offspring, their own beautiful babies, 
Should priest and prophet be killed in the Almighty's own sanctuary? Young and old alike lie on the ground in the streets. My young women and young men fall dead by the sword. On the day of your anger, you killed, you slaughtered, showing no compassion. You invited as if to a festival terrors from every side. On the day of fierce anger, no one escaped. Not one survived. The children that I nurtured, that I raised myself, my enemy finished them off. <sighs> for the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us, Thanks be to God. Part of how we metabolize what builds up inside of our bodies is through movement. So I invite you to stand in body or in spirit as we sing a lamentation together, number 708-708 in your hymnal, and as we call for God's mercy.
Indeed, we do not hear our sermons on Lamentations very often, if ever. Uh, Bobby Williamson, who Meg and I have quoted many times uh, in our past years doing the narrative lectionary, and who is one of the authors, who's the author of the book that we're, upon which this, this series is based on, uh, he makes a joke that uh, about Lamentations. He says, I can, count on, I can count the number of sermons I've heard on Lamentations without lifting a finger. <laughs> Same. But in two weeks, you will be able to lift two fingers. And why would we? Why would we preach on this text? Why would any preacher do this to themselves or to their congregation? It's hard to read, and frankly, it is even harder to hear. To hear. So, you know, Megan and I and Dustin have dwelt with this text over the past week or two, and it's hard to read. But when it is cried out in the way we have heard it this morning, that is even harder. Uh, it's hard to, it's, it's bad to feel bad. Like it feels bad to feel bad. And uh, so we don't, we don't read it. We ignore, we ignore this text more or less. Uh, just as we do with the Psalms of Lament, uh, which you know we might pull out on Ash Wednesday or Good Friday or one of the sad days but then tuck it away until the next year. It is hard to read about people's pain, especially, I would say, when it is described as graphically and explicitly as it is in the text that we heard this morning, um, in sort of sexual terms and about babies being dying and being food for their mothers. I mean, I can barely say it. I feel like I have temper myself. And honestly, very honestly, I wondered whether I should send a content warning <laughs> to y'all before we heard this text this morning. Uh, we do not like to, and it is hard to, and triggering to face pain and anger and grief in others and in ourselves. And in addition to that, as a society, we punish anger. We punish expressions of anger, especially women's anger, which this text gives voice to, and maybe especially black women's anger or people of color. And we refuse to listen to the content of that communication when it's communicated in angry ways. So instead, people train themselves, we women especially train ourselves to stow it away, become calm, or stoic, and maybe white women especially, into tears. Channel it that way. This book does none of that. That anger and grief and pain are laid bare. It is loud. It is unapologetic about interrupting, about demanding attention. And I think part of what makes it so effective in that way is that it is written in multiple voices. We heard two of them this morning. It is written, so, so Dustin and Megan dramatize the way the Book of Lamentations is actually written in multiple voices. <clears throat> so we're just going to talk about the two, two of them today. The singer who Megan embodied is acting as sort of a narrator or reporter about what is happening in the city of Jerusalem, personifying Jerusalem herself, called Daughter Zion. And so Dustin became and embodied the voice of daughter Zion, the city of Jerusalem. 
So by way of context, these characters, we are encountering these sort of uh, characters who are embodiments of, or archetypes of those within the city. This, this happens immediately after Jerusalem has been absolutely devastated by war. If, and this is something that we can imagine very well in our world today that we see on the news. And in fact, Megan's character is something like the, that reporter, singer character is something like a reporter. They're saying, this is what's going on in the city. This city has been under siege. Many of the city have been captured or killed or taken away in exile to Babylon. Those who are left have been starved and wounded. They have nothing left. Their, their city is devastated. And maybe add to that, the theology of these people is one of, of punishment. And so they've experienced this thing and then to believe that it is God who has caused that for them. So the, 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 the self-blame and the looking at themselves and saying, what have I done? Where is my sin? They feel as if they have been abandoned by God and implicated in their own suffering. So this is injustice upon injustice, pain upon pain. <clears throat> So the first voice we hear is not from Jerusalem herself, but it's this singer character who presents as sort of impassionate and objective, and this is what is happening. Here's what is happening. We know no one is objective. No one reports objectively. Uh, so I'm thinking, like, if you think of sort of like war reporters or people who are reporting on protests uh, or where place where there have been, like, devastations by floods or natural disasters. But the problem is no reporter is objective. No journalist is. So the blame begins. This reporter is sort of blaming Jerusalem for this thing that has happened. Obviously, she's sinful. She's unclean. She's been deviant. And for that reason, that is the reason she's experiencing this destruction, her downfall. And in her desperation now, Jerusalem, you are only degrading yourself further. But what I love, even though it is very, very, very hard to hear, to sit, and it was long, like Megan was not wrong. This is a long, long cry of pain. Daughter Zion, embodiment of Jerusalem, will have none of it. She will not let the singer continue to proclaim her downfall in this way. Her anger will be heard. She interrupts that reportage, that, that song, to say, stop, look at me. See me. Look at this injustice that I have suffered at the hands of nations, at the hands of the God who created me. Do not turn away. The fact that this book, this book of Lamentations, this collection of pain, poetry, these words by daughter Zion, they are in our sacred text. They call us as a community not to look away from lament, from pain, from anger, not in ourselves, to not, to not distance ourselves from our own anger, like bell hooks had it right, and not in others, in the same way that the Psalms of lament and anger do. This book can be our voice to cry out, can allow our empathy with the pain and anger of others and of ourselves. Walter Brueggemann, um, who is well known for writing about the Psalms and the prophets, talks about the importance of lament in scripture. The importance of lament to human community. 
um, in an essay called The Costly Loss of Lament. He talks about that. He says, there are two things about lament in particular that are important. First, lament gives expression to a part of our faith that, that is a legitimate part of our faith and our conversation with the divine. If the only expression that we give to our faith is praise and celebration, if the only parts of our hymnal we're turning to are the psalms of praise, I'm, I'm very gratified in this hymnal to see more hymns that give voice to anger and lament. <clears throat> but if the only voice that we have is praise and celebration, then that is a false faith. <clears throat> and, and it cuts us off from those who are genuinely experiencing loss and pain and anger in our communities. Those people then have no voice or they're, that's delegitimized. And Lamentations, which is a book purely and only about an expression of anger and pain, that has a place in our sacred text and it has a place in our worship. Uh, Rabbi Rania Ruttenberg recently used Lamentations to express her own outrage and grief in protesting the Dobbs decision on abortion. So I actually think Jewish communities, because this, I mean, we Christians, we, we go to Jesus immediately and new life and yay Easter, but there is a place in our faith for grief and anger. And Jewish communities, I think, can do that in a better way than what we can. We can learn something there. So in a time when we're feeling these experiences of outrage, of anger, of frustration, Lamentation gives them a voice, a voice that has a place in our communities and our own hearts. Second, Brueggemann talks about um, saying that those who turn away from anger and lament have a false relationship to God. So truth-telling is in, essential in a covenant relationship. We have a covenant relationship in our community. We have a covenant relationship with the divine. And if we cannot tell the truth to God, we have a false faith. So he goes on to say, a community of faith that negates lament soon concludes that the hard issues of justice are improper questions to pose at the throne because the throne seems like it's only a place of praise. I believe it thus follows that if justice questions are improper questions at the throne, that is before God, then that's a conclusion drawn through liturgical use and they soon appear to be improper questions in public spaces, in schools, in hospitals, with the government, eventually even in courts. Justice questions disappear into civility and docility. Hold on a second. So if we can't practice our anger at God, at our creator, how can we then cry out in public with integrity? How can our protest have meaning if we cannot do that in our own communities? Because we're, we're divorce, divorcing ourselves then from our faith when we go out into public to protest with our anger. If we can, conversely, express our outrage, our frustration, our anger, our pain to the God who created us at injustice, at suffering, for being absent from us, for looking away, then that is a voice we can channel into the public sphere against the systems that are causing the injustice. Daughter Zion, embodiment of Jerusalem, demands that the singer stop and look. 
She demands that God stop and look, that God see that pain. Sure, she says, I might have been wrong about some things. I might have sinned. I might have, I'm, some of the things I've done might warrant punishment, but God then look around and see all of the injustice. Hold the nations accountable. Hold yourself accountable. What happens in this back and forth between Daughter Zion and the singer, and I don't know if you noticed this in Megan's tone as we went through this, this song, but there is a shift. There's a shift in the way that reporting begins to happen. The singer has looked and seen, acknowledges Zion's suffering and that her leaders have led her astray, that, that she's gained, the singer has gained a level of empathy. And not only that, encourages Zion to keep shouting, cry aloud to Adonai, O wall of daughter Zion. Let tears stream down day and night. <clears throat> Sometimes we pastors hear some weariness in y'all worshiping at SMC, where every Sunday we're lighting that peace lamp and we're calling you to engage, to act, to notice things that are happening in the world, to witness, for, to adjust peace for all of creation, to pay attention, engage, like do the thing. It can, I, I acknowledge, it can start to cause some resentment, not only weariness, but resentment. When, when you're being told constantly to like, do the thing, pay attention to this, know this thing, know this injustice, know this bad thing that's happening. I feel that too. We do get resentful of the voices that continue to call on us to recognize their pain, to see. But it is okay to feel that resentment. It is okay to feel that anger. It is okay to feel bad, even if it feels bad. To just be, to be with all the bad stuff. To see it, to just acknowledge it. There is simply in acknowledging a beginning, a beginning to comfort. Feeling it in ourselves, feeling that level of empathy in ourselves is a beginning in moving. Kathleen O'Connor calls this the theology of witness. It is so easy to look away. Like casting our glance away from the panhandler at the intersection or the person slumped over on the corner. It's easy to expect a modulation in tone before taking in the content of what someone is expressing their desire and demand for justice. There are so, so, so many voices. And maybe that voice is within yourself. Maybe the voice that you have not acknowledged yet is of anger is within. Who is the one calling out to you in the voice of daughter Zion? Who is insisting on your gaze? Do not look away. Cry aloud to Adonai and let the tears stream down. May God look upon you and see you.